The title of the message today is, When God is in Control of Our Life. It is important as Christians that we understand as much as we can about the God whom we serve. There's a lot of confusion today. We are not talking about the man upstairs or the one somewhere else. The God whom we serve is the God who has revealed himself in the scriptures. And so the Bible tells us all that we need to know about God. He's infinite, eternal, and unchanging. He has all power and wisdom. He is good, holy, and righteous. His love, grace, mercy, and long-suffering are unconditional and eternal. I could spend a whole year preaching on the attributes of God and not exhaust these attributes, what theologians call the uh, communicable attributes and the incommunicable attributes. However, today I want to speak about the sovereignty of God, which simply means that God is in absolute control of everything visible and invisible. David, in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. You see, God owns and controls everything because he created everything. He created nature. He sustains nature, and he can overrule nature, the laws of nature, when he wants to in order to perform a miracle. He's also in control of history. The Bible says that everything is moving toward a climax, that there is a plan, a purpose, a climax toward which history is moving. The good thing is that we know what the end is going to be. We are simply um, living our lives uh, in the light of what is going to be when Jesus winds up history and we spend eternity in his presence. But God is also in control of our lives. And the question I'd like to pose this morning is, how does the fact that God is sovereign and in control of all things, apply to our life here and now. What impact does God's control have on our life as persons living in the 21st century? There are three points that I want to make here. So when God is in control of our life, first, our plans have a limit. Our plans have a limit. Proverbs 19 and verse 21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And then in 16 and verse 1, We may make our plans, but God has the last word. I'm sure that we have all discovered that things do not always go the way we plan them. 
At best, our plans are tentative because we can't see ahead. We don't know what the future holds. Only God knows the future. We make our plans. Surely we ought to, but they really are changeable. Many times God has a better idea. How many of you did not marry the first person you intended to marry or uh, enter the first career you intended to pursue? See, God changed your plans, and he's changing it all the time. We need to be tentative in our plans. We need to be flexible in our plans. It is presumptuous of us to say we don't need God to tell us what to do. We can figure it out ourselves. Now, you may not put it in those words, but your action indicates that this is what you are saying. It is presumptuous of uh, me to assume that everything is going to go the way I want them to go. The Bible says that since life is uncertain, we should not presume on it. And James uh, gives us a a good example of um, what he understands uh, by by this fact that that life is uncertain. So in James chapter 4, 13 through 15, James says, Now listen. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. It's okay to make plans as long as you understand that they are tentative. You see, plans need to be flexible. Some people make plans for their lives, and if anything varies in the plan, they get an ulcer. See, we make plans, but ultimately God calls the shots in our life as believers. We must include God in our goal setting, or else uh, they will not be realized the way we would like them to be realized. And so what do we do? We pray. We talk to God about our plans. We ask his blessing on our plans. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Make plans, but realize They are tentative. Pray about your plans. Talk to God about about them. Ask God to uh, show you what he wants you to do. And you'll be surprised to see that God will give you the wisdom uh, to do what needs to be done. And he'll be backing you up, standing there to enable you to achieve your goals. As I said last week, that um, surely we can achieve our goals, but... um, When we achieve those goals, are those goals where we want to be or what we want to do? So we need to place um, our lives as well as our plans in the hands of God. So since God is in control, or secondly, our problems have a purpose. Our problems have a purpose. 1 Peter chapter uh, 6 and, uh, and seven it says, at present, 
you may be temporarily harassed by all kinds of trials. This is no accident. It happens to prove your faith, which is infinitely more valuable than gold. So Peter is saying that life is not a series of random events that have no meaning. If you are a child of God, nothing can come into your life without the Heavenly Father's permission. Because he is in control, everything that happens to you, we may say, is father-filtered. I'm not saying that everything that happens uh, is God's will. There are many things that happen in life that are not God's will. Sin is not God's will. Cancer is not God's will. A tragic accident is not God's will. God doesn't cause problems in our lives. He doesn't have to. We bring enough problems on our, on our own. And other people bring enough problems into our lives. But what I'm saying is this. God allows, he permits problems. And then he uses them for a greater purpose. See, God is a pro at uh, turning bad things into good things. He is the expert at taking problems and bringing the greater purpose uh, for our lives out of them. See, God could have kept Paul out of prison at Philippi, but he let him go to prison because he knew that there's someone there who needed to hear the gospel, and that was the Philippian jailer. And the Philippian jailer was saved, and we understand from, from history that the Philippian jailer was one of the leaders of the church at Philippi. God could have had Pharaoh say yes to, to um, uh, Moses when Moses said, let my people go. But instead, he let him say no so that he could show all of his miracles and the ten plagues so that uh, the Egyptians as well as the Israelites would know that he's a God with all power in his hands. God could have kept Jesus from going to the cross, but he allowed the crucifixion so that he could do a resurrection. See, God allows problems in our lives, but he doesn't cause them. So don't blame God for all the evil uh, in the world. He allows these things to take place, and then he turns them around and uh, brings them into focus in order to help us. But we could never imagine what God uh, is going to do. All we have to do is to trust him because he's a God who is in control and he uh, has a purpose that is working out for our lives. So if that is true, and it is, then how should we respond to our problems knowing that every problem has a purpose behind it and that God has permitted it for a reason that he alone knows? But let's look at two biblical examples here. First of all, Job. Job was the wealthiest man of his, of his day. Uh, he probably had more money in his day, given the, the difference between uh, the, the centuries ago and today, than Jeff Bezos. But um, he lost everything in one day. And not only did he lose all of his possessions, but he lost his children as well. And the only 
family member that was left was his nagging wife, who later said to him, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? And then uh, Job uh, got a dreaded disease, and he's miserable. He can't understand what is going on. And, um, and even Satan could not get at Job without God's permission. So Satan had to come to God and say, God, can I do this to Job? And God said, you can do this, but no more. Satan he cannot get at your life without God's permission. Satan is a creature and has to do what God says. God allows Satan here for a short period of time to produce a race of tested individuals called Christians, disciples of Jesus Christ, and then he is going to be destroyed by God at the end. As if you lost everything the way Job did, how would you respond? Listen to Job's response in Job 1 and verse 21. I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be stripped of everything when I die. The Lord gave me everything I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Imagine, could you say praise the name of the Lord when your life is falling apart? This is faith beyond what we can testify to today. Most of us, when things are falling apart, we, we get angry, we upset, we don't come to church, we give up on God, but not, 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 uh, not Job. Job says, everything I have comes from God anyway. He gave it to me and he can take it away. It is his right. In the end of the story, God restored Everything the devil had taken away from Job, he gave him twice as much. He became twice as wealthy and he received twice as many children. You see, God is in control. If God closes one door, he can open another. Also, you lose your job. God can give you another one. It might take some time because God knows what he's doing. He knows exactly when to step into the situation and open the, the door for you. God is a good God. And he knows what he is doing, which means we can trust him. So Joseph is another example of God's sovereignty, God's control. Joseph was his father's favorite son. All of his brothers got very jealous of him. And so they decided that they would get rid of him, so they sold uh, Joseph into slavery, and he's taken to Egypt. In Egypt, he's sold as a slave to an Egyptian official named Potiphar. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him, and when he refuses, Joseph is accused of rape. And he's put into prison and spends years there. I'm sure he was saying, well, where is God in all of this? Where is the God that I have served, the God of my father, my father and, and, and grandfather and great-grandfather? What did I do to deserve, to deserve this? He said, if I were Joseph, I'd be saying, God, why me? But Joseph was exactly where God wanted him to be. 
God was in control and God was working through his circumstances and situation. He didn't cause it, but he allowed the brothers to sell him into slavery. And later on, Joseph rose to a position of prominence in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. And later he came face to face with his brothers who had done him so much wrong. They tried to hurt him. But in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, he tells them, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, if um, Joseph had not been in Egypt, second in command, then the people, uh, God's chosen people, would have died in the famine. But he sent Joseph there in order to protect them during the time of crisis in their lives. See, some of you may have been hurt by um, bosses, by parents, by brothers, sisters, employees, and by other people. They mean it for, for evil, but God means it for good. There are people who are out to destroy, destroy you, and destroy us as Christians because they, they do not like uh, our message of hope and love. But the God whom we serve has a purpose behind every problem that we face. So what is the key to uh, our response? Look past the pain and try to find God's purpose behind the pain. Some things in life we are not going to know now. For example, why do people die at a certain time? I don't know. We all die eventually. But why now? I don't know. But God has a plan and God is a good God. And he is in control. And as Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, this is the reason we never lose heart. These troubles, which are temporary, are winning for us a permanent, glorious, and solid reward out of proportion to our pain. God says the temporary problems that we are going through right now are minor compared to the reward we are going to receive on the other side when we see our Lord face to face. And he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, our plans have a limit. Our problems have a purpose. And then thirdly, our prayers have an impact. Our prayers have an impact. It is not a waste of time to pray. The Bible says, says, because God is in control, he has the ability to answer our prayers. You see, if God was not sovereign, then prayer would be a waste of time. Who wants to pray to someone who can't answer? Can you imagine coming to God in, in prayer and saying, God, I really need your help in this situation. And God answers I'd like to help you, my son or my daughter, but I can't. I don't have the power to do it. It's not a part of my job description. It frustrates me as much as it does you, but I just can't do anything about it. 
No, God is not like that. God never says anything is too hard. There's nothing too hard for God to do. There's nothing impossible for God to, to do. So because God is sovereign, then we can pray and it does make an impact. Not only on us, but on others around us. Even when they hear us testify to what God has done in our lives, they will give God glory and, and praise. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul says, God is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, thoughts, or hopes. So nothing is too hard or too big or uh, impossible for our sovereign God. God says, think of the greatest prayer request the wildest dream you can think of, and that's nothing. I can go beyond that. The point is prayer can do whatever God can do. See, why don't we then take advantage of it? Over 20 times in the New Testament, the words ask, seek, and knock are given to us. In other words, God is saying, I want you to ask. I'm in charge, I'm in control, and I can help you. So remember to ask, and you will receive. Ask, and I'll show you great and mighty things you do not know. It is encouraging for me to know that there are things that are beyond my control, but are not beyond God's control. Isn't that good news? He says, some of you say, my kids are out of my control, but they are not out of God's control. Or someone says, my health is out of control, I can't do anything about it. It is not out of God's control. My finances are falling apart, it's hopeless. Your finances are not out of God's control. There's nothing beyond God's control. That means, if in your present situation... That you, that you, if you don't have control over your job, your, your business, your children, your marriage, or um, any aspect of your life, you can be assured that God is in control of it. That's the power of prayer. There is no attribute of God that is more comforting to the Christian than that which we call the sovereignty of God. That means God is in complete control. Or some of you are thinking your situation is a mess, totally falling apart and hopeless. But how big do you think God is? He is big enough to handle your mess. God knows how to turn bad into good, how to bring a purpose out of problems. So don't waste your problems. Give them to God. And he knows how to take care of them. So when your words sick, remember that God is in control. When you're defeated, discouraged, and feel that your life is a total failure, remember that God is in control. When you're sick and flat on your back and you don't know exactly uh, what's going to happen to you, remember that God is in control. When you're standing by the casket of a loved one and wondering why at this time or how am I going to manage Remember that God is in control. 
or when you um, hear about all that is going on in Washington, D.C., it's good to know that God is in control. It's not the, not the Congress, not the President, and not the Justice Department. God is in control, and he knows exactly what he's doing. So we will not be discouraged, even though at times there are discouraging news that we receive, in fact, more often than, than not. But we know that God is in control. He has not given up on us. He's still answering the prayers of his people. So when you face a problem that you cannot handle, remember that God is in control. God is omnipotent. All power belongs to him. He speaks and it happens. He commands and it is done. Nothing happens that God is not totally and keenly aware of. Oh, this includes every wind that blows, every bird that sings, every flower that blossoms, every raindrop that falls, every grain of sand that moves, every living cell that divides, and every thought that enters the brain, every word that is spoken and every beat of your heart. You see, God sees all, he hears all, he knows all. Nothing escapes his attention. He's above all and beyond all. He is the supreme authority over everything and everybody. Nothing is above him. Nobody is like him. He always was, he is, and will always be. For he is God Almighty. And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the people of God ought to say, Amen. Amen.